Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Uh, today, I kind of actually have a, a mishmash of a couple of different things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, one of which is a, a really good quote from, of all people, a, a Scottish member of the British Parliament. His name was George Galloway. Uh, at some point, they tried to accuse him of corruption and about a few things, and he ended up getting brought to the, before the U.S. Senate. And uh, he gave a really interesting speech. I, I've done a lot of stuff about the war in Iraq on previous radio shows, mostly before I was a Venus Project radio show. So I'm not going to jump all over that, but his speech was extremely compelling, and uh, it really, I think, needed to be shared with everybody because this guy just blasted the U.S. Senate. And it was even more hilarious for me because one of the senators that he was blasting is uh, Senator Levin from my state of Michigan. So um, I'm going to start the show off with playing that recording. And um, for those of you who may or may not be joining me on the global Zeitgeist uh, radio station, I know Terry is trying to see if he can broadcast me there. Um, if so, then this show will be shared there live, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. So in any case, I'm going to get to this clip. And um, for those of you in the chat room, if this clip is too loud or too quiet, please let me know. Thank you. I gave my heart and soul to oppose the policy that you promoted. I gave my political life's blood to try to stop the mass killing of Iraqis by the sanctions on Iraq, which killed a million Iraqis, most of them children. Most of them died before they even knew that they were Iraqis, but they died for no other reason other than that they were Iraqis, with the misfortune to be born at that time. I gave my heart and soul to stop you committing the disaster that you did commit in invading Iraq. And I told the world that your case for the war was a pack of lies. I told the world that Iraq, contrary to your claims, did not have weapons of mass destruction. I told the world, contrary to your claims, that Iraq had no connection to Al-Qaeda. I told the world, contrary to your claims, that Iraq had no connection to the atrocity on 9-11-2001. I told the world, contrary to your claims, that the Iraqi people would resist a British and American invasion of their country and that the fall of Baghdad would not be the beginning of the end, but merely the end of the beginning. Senator, in everything I said about Iraq, I turned out to be right and you turned out to be wrong. And a hundred thousand people have paid with their lives, 1,600 of them American soldiers sent to their deaths on a pack of lies. 15,000 of them wounded, many of them disabled forever on a pack of lies. If the world had listened to Kofi Annan, whose dismissal you demanded, if the world had listened to President Chirac, who you want to paint as some kind of corrupt traitor, if the world had listened to me and the anti-war movement in Britain, we would not be in the disaster that we are in today. Senator, this is the mother of all smokescreens. You are trying to divert attention 
from the crimes that you supported, from the theft of billions of dollars of Iraq's wealth. Have a look at the real oil for food scandal. Have a look at the 14 months you were in charge of Baghdad, the first 14 months, when $8.8 .8 billion of Iraq's wealth went missing on your watch. Have a look at Halliburton and the other American corporations that stole not only Iraq's money, but the money of the American taxpayer. Have a look at the oil that you didn't even meter, that you were shipping out of the country and selling, the proceeds of which went who knows where. Have a look at the $800 million you gave to American military commanders to hand out around the country without even counting it or weighing it. Have a look at the real scandal breaking in the newspapers today, revealed in the earlier testimony in this committee, that the biggest sanctions busters were not me or Russian politicians or French politicians. The real sanctions busters were your openings with the connivance of your own government. Once again, the words of George Galloway from the British House of Commons. Uh, the YouTube video that I just played is called The Best Testimony of the 21st Century. I'm going to go ahead and give that link out in the chat room. Uh, to those of you who are listening, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure that you visit vradio.org, v-radio.org. Um, I actually, once again, want to thank my listeners for helping me with my donations for the month. Um, it actually, <laughs> because the re when you look at the the uh, chip-in widget, it will say that it took in more than it was supposed to, and that was because somebody wrote me an e-check, and it didn't clear until after the... Uh, um, chip-in was already finished, so that's why there's a little extra money in there beyond what was supposed to be in there. Uh, the other widget, the blue widget, that is for me upgrading my system is actually going fairly steadily. Uh, that one, I believe, ends at the end of March. I'm just trying to upgrade my computer so that I can give better quality broadcasting, particularly when it comes to Zeitgeist TV, because I know I can get much better quality. I just I need to upgrade a few things. Um, in any case, uh, Thanks again for everybody who has supported me so far. It's actually been very invigorating. Um, and uh, it's also, I think, one of the major contributions that I'm able to make to the movement because of the fact that I am a stay-at-home dad. I can't travel much. I work pretty much nonstop on various projects, for not just for V Radio, but for other awareness projects. I don't know if any of you read my report that was debunking a critique of, a critique of the story of stuff. Um, I'm actually hoping to try and make that into a video presentation, but my video skills are not very good, unfortunately, at least not as far as making an active video that you can put on YouTube. Um, uh, but anyway, um, further pieces of news. Uh, the, I'm, once again, I'm talking to the people about the Zeitgeist Global Radio Station that is, worth, that is being worked on right now. Um, with any luck, it's being my show might be being broadcasted there. I don't know. I wasn't able to check with Terry if that was working. But if it is, that's great. Uh, and I urge you to once again take a look at the Zeitgeist toolbar, the Zeitunes toolbar. You can check that out by going to the Zeitgeist UK website. And it's a really fun tool. It's got all kinds of great stuff. Um, on it, like RSS feeds to various chapters. It can be tailored to your chapter. The, um, the radio widget that I use actually every day now, um, there's some great radio stations that you can access and add to your widget. 
not to mention the Zeitgeist radio station. I want to give a big shout-out to Terry, um, who's basically at this point the main DJ over there. Um, puts on a great show from about 2 p.m. to, I believe it was 7 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, where he plays music from unsigned artists and gives great commentary on the Venus Project and the Zeitgeist Movement. So um, today's other title uh, um, subject, we're actually going to be talking about a couple things, um, and one of which I'm going to be asking a favor from some of my audience, and that is to uh, help me deal with some censorship that happened uh, with me and Independent Political Report. You may recall in previous shows I had recommended Independent Political Report as a great source of third-party news. And I have to say that I'm, still, I'm sure you will still get, get good third-party news there, but uh, I had a bit of a conflict recently because I made an article, a news article, because they don't allow editorials in Independent Political Report, that I guess was getting them an awful lot of pressure. So as a result, not only did they delete the article, they fired me. <laughs> so um, I will get into more of that later, but uh, before we even get started on that part of it, we're going to talk a little bit about COINTELPRO. Um, this was brought to my attention originally actually by Gabriel Branch, my illustrious uh, web designer who redesigned vradio.org. Um, and I guess basically, you know, what you're looking at with this is, you know, and one of the reasons I'm bringing this up, because this is relevant to the movement, because I'm pretty confident that this sort of stuff is going to end up happening to the Zeitgeist movement as well. Um, particularly when you consider the fact that um, law enforcement officials are told that, you know, possession of zeitgeist and all that, um, uh, possession of zeitgeist um, is actually something that can make you suspected of being a terrorist. <laughs> so, um, bearing that in mind, um, actually I'm going to give a shout out to Douglas Mallet. Thank you for your comment in the chat room. I appreciate that. Um, But anyway, um, as I was saying, uh, COINTELPRO stands for Counterintelligence Program. Um, was a series of covert and often illegal projects conducted by the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation, i.e. the FBI, aimed at investigating and disrupting dissident political organizations within the United States. The FBI used covert operations from its inception, however, form formal COINTELPRO operations took place between 1956 and 1971, supposedly no longer going on. That, like, not that I believe that. The FBI's stated motivation at the time was protecting national security, preventing violence, and maintaining the existence, existing social and political order. You see, when you, when you make a statement like that, maintaining the existing social and political order, then that means that you are basically also kind of upholding the status quo, which means that it prevents us from voting for things outside of what they decided is the existing social and political order. Now, according to FBI records, 85% of COINTELPRO resources were expended on infiltrating, disrupting, marginalizing, and or subverting groups suspected of being subversive, such as communist and socialist organizations, the women's rights movement, the militant black nationalist groups, and the nonviolent civil rights movement, including individuals such as Martin Luther King Jr., and others associated with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the Congress of Racial Equality, the American Indian Movement, and other civil rights groups. A broad range of organizations labeled New Left, including the Students for Democratic Society, the National Lawyers Guild, the Weathermen, 
almost, almost all groups pro um, protesting the Vietnam War, and even individual student demonstrators with no group affiliation, and nationalist groups such as those seeking independence for Puerto Rico, the other 15% of COINTELPRO resources were expended to marginalize and subvert white hate groups, including the Ku Klux Klan and National States Rights Party. It's interesting that they used 85% to deal with all of those other groups, okay, yet only 15% for obvious dangers like white hate groups like the Ku Klux Klan. Um, the directives governing uh, COINTELPRO were issued by FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, big surprise, who ordered FBI agents to expose, disrupt, misdirect, discredit, or otherwise neutralize the activities of these movements and their leaders. That taken from Wikipedia. Um, now, the reason that I bring this up is because uh, not too long ago, um, this subject was actually brought up in an argument between um, two different groups of people, two different activist groups, one of which obviously being out, and the other one, actually two, would be an incorrect statement. There were several activist groups that recently came into conflict with Alex Jones. And the reason that this is relevant is that, um, also to the Zeitgeist movement, is that these sorts of things could start happening to us if they haven't already. I personally think that Alex Jones' attacks on um, the Zeitgeist movement could be an example of the sort of things that we're talking about. But there's more to it than that. It also has to do with the sensationalism involved. We've talked about this in some of the previous shows, so I apologize for repeating some of it. But the sensationalism is that basically, you know, if you have a guy like Alex Jones making a complete fool of himself, he could say whatever he wants. It could be the absolute truth. He could be, you know, 1,000% the truth. But if you act like a moron when you're delivering your, that information, it makes you look as you know, it makes you look crazy, which therefore makes anything you just said look crazy. It's an act of discredit, basically, to anything that you, you know, might be trying to do if, if he's working like that. I mean, it's just like, for example, as I said to somebody when they asked me, you know, what, what the problem was, I, I pointed out that, you know, for example, when people think about 9/11 truthers, rather than thinking about a constructive group like, um, you know, architects for 9-11 Truth or engineers for 9-11 Truth, those kinds of groups, they instead think about, you think some people in a cave got nowhere to stand down? We won't be your slaves, you evil New World Order. We won't be your slaves. They don't think about anybody who's actually intelligent talking about that stuff. And that's where you run into a problem. Because at this point, Mr. Jones, who's credited as supposedly being this great answer and he just woke us all up and all that, and I do wager that, you know, he did. Some of his videos did get our attention. The problem is, is that the way that he encourages the people behave about it make everybody involved look like quacks. And that doesn't help us. At that point, you can do as good as you can, you know, and you're still basically at that point being exposed as being an idiot. It's, it's, you're inviting ad hominem. That's basically what it amounts to. If you act like that, you're intentionally trying to get an ad hominem, in my opinion. And um, when you think about that, as far as disruption is concerned, recently there was a, a rally put together by several organizations. I'm just going to go ahead and read the, the censored blog post, I might add. Hold on just a moment. Okay. So I did a blog. Uh, it's actually not a blog. It was an article that I published, as I said earlier, an independent political report. And uh, it's basically, I had to rename and rephrase the whole article like six or seven times because they claimed it was an editorial. 
The, the problem is, is, well, it wasn't an editorial. Um, it just so happened that the evidence that was presented was so overwhelming that it was obvious. And I guess they were expecting, you know, to be some that valid other side of the argument, but after doing a lot of investigation into the incident in question, there wasn't a valid other side of the argument um, because of the fact that he basically really was in the wrong. There wasn't a better way to go about it. And it's awkward because, you know, in alternative media, rarely do we have, you know, live video footage of an event. So I know that makes it a little different for some people. But that doesn't change the fact that this is what happened. So I'm going to go ahead and read from the, um, the censored article, and then I'll go into speaking about why it was censored. So you may find this article, if you would like to read along with me, at uh, my blog. Um, I also started a thread about this subject on the Zeitgeist Forums that provides even more background information into what went into researching this article, because there's a lot of research that I did not include in the main article itself. And the reason for that is that some of it has profanity in it, which is also why I'm not going to play it here. But there were several different videos from different people who were at this rally who saw what happened. Um, the one I'm going to play also has, eventually I'm going to be playing one of the videos that I did include, also has excerpts from Alex Jones's radio show where he basically lies about what happened. So I'm going to provide a link, first of all, to the thread where I talk about this on the Zeitgeist Movement forums. And um, you can feel free to read along if you like. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and pull this up. Uh, the original title of the article was Alex Jones Clashes with a uh, Libertarian Second Amendment, or basically Clashes with Libertarians at a Second Amendment protest. Um, I would also point out I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party anymore. That's another reason why I felt that it was being treated unfairly. I don't have any personal stake in this other than maybe to talk about Alex Jones a little bit, but. I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party. I saw this article, investigated the story, and realized that Alex Jones had seriously mistreated these people. And the article, basically the news needed to be reported. So, Alex Jones clashes with a peaceful protest is what it says on my blog. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Trouble started at a recent rally to protest infringements to the Second Amendment set up as a joint effort by a few political activist organizations. TAG, which is Texans for Accountable Government, the Ladies' Liberty Alliance, and the Liberty Restoration Project. The event was also co-sponsored by the Libertarian Party of Texas. Current LP National Director Wes Benedict was an original founder of TAG. Current Texas LP Director Robert Butler is a board member. The rally was underway by the time Alex Jones showed up with his own megaphone and started shouting over top of the speakers at the protest. One moment. Sorry about that little technical issue. Now I'm going to continue. Uh, the rally made by the time Alex Jones showed up with his own megaphone shouting over top of the speakers at the protest. There are several videos on YouTube taken from the scene that day, but some of the highlights include Alex Jones arguing with the organized protesters saying, quote, quote, you don't know what you're doing, and to get out of my face, in addition to calling the current Texas executive, Robert Butler, who sits on the board of directors for TAG, a gay lawyer. This YouTube video includes excerpts from Alex's radio show, where he claims that it was his rally that was disrupted, along with highlights of some of the various videos taken of this event. 
So I'm going to go ahead and play this video. It is 5 minutes and 58 seconds long. Um, it includes various clips of some of the various videos that were taken in addition to some clips from Alex Jones's radio show. So I apologize to those of you who are going to have to suffer through Alex Jones. I really appreciate Darwin Bedeker. I am really pushing his arm to come to the protest on Monday to get him up here from San Antonio. And uh, he wanted me on air right now to thank all my listeners uh, that came out to that event and made it such a success. Jesus. But they're not going to stop. They think this is their town. They think the people of Austin belong to them. That is the city council, the ATF, and the police leadership. The average cop out there is disgusted by this. The reason I know is my dad came to the protest, and I didn't notice him. The whole time I was there, I had, like, COINTELPRO poking me and getting in my face. And I'm sure some of them were, because later I found out about a meeting afterwards with some people we know are connected to some operations about how they want to get me and go after me. And it's a whole other subject, but it, and it, it borders on illegal. But uh, luckily we had people inside who found out about that and, and called me about it. But but separate issue. Anytime you come out with the Second Amendment, you're going to have disruptors who are going to try to spin things and do that. But they failed miserably. We're constantly put on the defensive against the federal government, every single time, be it the FCC coming to town and trying to shut down our local money. Sorry about that uh, brief pause. I just wanted to point out what's going on in the video at this point, is that the rally is already underway, okay? Um, because I know some of my listeners aren't going to be able to view this because they're going to download it and listen to it elsewhere. But the rally is already underway, and the video is clearly showing Alex Jones walking up to his aunt with his entourage of like maybe six or seven people to a rally that's already going on. Um, he's got his megaphone in hand, and he's getting ready to start interrupting them. You'll see it right now. The first voice that you heard was the people who were actually speaking at the rally. So that being said, I'm going to continue with the play. Micro broadcasters. Be at the National Highway Anytime you come out with the Second Amendment, you're going to have disruptors. Now, to once again describe what's going on in the video, at this point in the video, uh, Alex Jones is continuing to blare over the protesters who are lined up and talking and organized in a peaceful fashion and an organized fashion. And in addition to that, um, what you're looking at now is they're actually asking Alex if he'd like to come up and speak. They were basically going to give it over to him, and he continues to ignore them. So that being said, I'm going to continue playing it. Anytime you come out with the Second Amendment, you're going to have disruptors.
again, as I was just saying, um, now we have another speaker, this one for the Ladies, Ladies Liberate, uh, I'm sorry, Liberty Alliance, coming forward to try to give her, you know, her statements, and then you hear Alex, and it's almost like he gets even louder. So I'm going to continue playing it. The whole time I was there, I had like COINTELPRO poking me and getting in my face. I don't want to get away with your activities. You are not going to get away. So the person that he's calling COINTELPRO is actually uh, another radio host from a different radio station. Um, who I'm not at liberty to get into about this, but apparently because of her conflict with Alex Jones, um, she was fired from her radio station uh, over what she's getting ready to deal with here. Right now you see her walking up and reasonably trying to talk to Alex and say, hey, look, you know, we're just trying to have you know, something going on here and you're kind of interrupting. And he ends up at one point saying, I don't know if that's in this video. In fact, I'm pretty sure it isn't. He's like, you, have, you clearly have a hard-on for me and blah, blah, blah. But he's getting ready to say something pretty crap all on his own right now, so I'll just let that speak for itself. Here we go with more of the video. Hey, ladies, second First Amendment. Get the hell out of my face. I'm here to tell you right now that we are not your property. You're not part of the team. Right now. You're not part of the team. The whole time I was there, I had, like, Cohen Telbro poking me and getting in my face. You said we're new activists and don't know what we're doing. And that means Yeah, 
I really appreciate Darwin Benneker. I am really pushing his arm to come to the protest on Monday to get him up here from San Antonio. And uh, he wanted me on air right now to thank all my listeners uh, that came out to that event and made it such a success. Thank all my listeners uh, that came out to that event and made it such a success. Thank all my listeners uh, that came out to that event and made it such a success. So once again, um, that was the conclusion of the video. I know some of it was probably really unintelligible. And if you want to come back and actually watch and listen to the video in your own time, if you're downloading this show and listening to it somewhere else, uh, the video is still available on my blog. Um, and uh, if you go to the Zeitgeist Movement Forum uh, post about this, I actually give about six or seven other videos taken that day um, that painted the story. So now I'm going to continue to read from the blog. Now, as the video plainly shows, uh, the protest was already underway when Mr. Jones arrived with his entourage and started speaking on his own megaphone rather than making, uh, basically making it difficult for the people assembled to hear the speakers. On his radio show, he thanked all his listeners that, in his words, made the event such a success, but the video also clearly shows that he showed up with less than a dozen people and that the rest of those assembled were gathered by the organizations that had put together the rally. In response to the difficulties of this incident, an apology was issued by the treasurer and founder of TAG, Chuck Young. Dear Chiefs at, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, at Savito and Carter, I'm writing this to offer my most sincere apologies for the boorish behavior of Alex Jones during the recent Second Amendment protest at APDHQ. Mr. Jones was not invited by us and is not associated with TAG in any way. I found his actions divisive, immature, rude, hateful, and provocative in the worst sense of the word. I was especially aggrieved at Jones's hysterical antics because, as the video record shows, I started the rally with roughly the following statement. Quote, I'm here today armed with nothing but the Constitution. In addition to our right to bear arms, this great documentary preserves our right to a peaceable assembly. The operative word there is peaceable. Let's keep it that way. End quote. While we, we at TAG oppose APD on various points of policy, I want you to know that we and myself respect and appreciate the, um, the consummate professionalism with which you and your officers have always conducted yourselves and every single dealing I and other TAG principals have had with you. Regards, Chuck Young. Now, in an email from Chuck Young I received after initially publishing this article, Mr. Young said the following, quote, we almost never do street actions without accompanying lobbying. Jones killed the lobbying because the mainstream types from whom we are working with, GOP, NRA, got scared off. So he literally made sure that nothing happened in terms of substantial, um, substantive policy change. So basically at this point, we have some groups that were very productive in trying to get policies changed. It's not that hard to fight for gun rights in Texas. Um, in the, I guess what they were protesting initially was that there were people, the ATF was shutting down uh, gun shows where people could freely exchange firearms, okay? Um, so what they were protesting in of itself, you know, it, it's up to you how you feel about gun control. It doesn't change the fact, though, that their right of, you know, rights about the Constitution were present, that they did have, you know, the ear of the local GOP, you know, Republican Party, I'm sorry, uh, you know, and the 
some of the other local organizations in question that were a bit more mainstream. So what Alex did basically alienated all of these people from the activists in question. So here you have an example of that same kind of Cointel Pro kind of thing we were talking about earlier. He just sort of showed up in the middle of their rally, knew what he was doing, started talking over top of them with his megaphone. Okay? The video evidence, there's just plenty of it. It's all over the web, and it's very clear what it is. And I, I tend to see what I'm seeing in the comments about this sort of stuff is generally people who worship Alex Jones so much saying things like, well, he's just not perfect, you know, blah, blah, blah. But still, you know, he does this great job of informing everybody. And, you know, once again, you know, and then people who make comments like, um, well, he's the greatest thing to ever happen to the truth movement and all that. Well, is he the greatest thing? You know, here we have a group of people who come from alternative out of, outside the box political groups, okay? And they're saying things that are actually getting the attention of some of the establishment and actually making real changes. And so he shows up and basically whips out his, you know, <laughs> member and begins peeing all over their efforts. I'm just going to put it as politely as I can. Um, and is rude to them on top of it, okay? and alienates them. I mean, that, that's the sort of stuff, you know, these people put so much work together into doing this, and uh, he ruined it. And then goes on his own radio show to act like it was his rally. So, you know, and then, and then says that the people who pointed out what he was doing were Cointel Pro. Okay. So I, I, I just, I hope that people who, you know, I, you know, as far as the Zeitgeist movement, I want you guys to be, aware that these sorts of things are going on. Now, on a point of personal privilege for my listeners, uh, because of this article and my refusal to delete it, uh, I was, as I said earlier, removed from IPR as a writer. And I have since, you know, shown the article in question that they claim is just, it, that they claim that my article was, a, it was an editorial, okay? The problem is, is that... Um, I have since shown that article to several people, including the former editor and original owner of Independent Political Report, Jason Seagraves, who read the article and said, and I quote, there was not a single bit of editorial in this article. It was a good article, end quote. Okay. So in other words, they use the term editorial because IPR does not allow editorials to be their excuse to try to delete the article. When I called them on it, uh, the editor, Trent Hill, basically abused me in the public comment section. Um, I tried to communicate with him directly. I tried to email him privately. I also offered, I was like, hey, you know, can we have a phone call about this? And his responses were all very crass. And at one point he's like, I have, you know, I'm busy working. I don't have any time for a drama-ridden phone call is what he said. And here I am just sitting there with my mouth open going, what? You know, because nobody gets paid to contribute to independent political report. Okay, it's, it's something that we all do for free, basically, to try to, you know, help bring news out there. And he was basically, at that point, in addition to other things he said, publicly abusing a volunteer. Um, so what I'm asking my viewers, is, you know, listeners, is this. Read the article. If you feel that it was an editorial, okay. If you don't feel it is an editorial, I would ask you to email IPR, which you can find in the links. Um, it's, I believe it's, I, you know, contact IPR at, well, basically the email is available. Um, email them and tell them, this was not an editorial. I don't think it should have been censored. 
because one of the other things, you know, supposedly he got so many complaints about it, nobody liked the article. But after showing this article to several people who have all said um, there was no editorial in this article, you reported the news and they just didn't like it, I kind of basically at that point it's like a matter of censorship. So um, if you guys want to support me on that, as I said in the miscellaneous section, there is an, um, a Zeitgeist Movement post in the miscellaneous section where you can read all of the associated material and look at a lot of the research that I did that went into the article. And then decide for yourself. I, I don't want anybody to go there saying this who hasn't read the article. I don't want anybody going there saying this who doesn't actually believe this about the article. I want people to be honest about it because I'm, I don't need you to lie for me because I'm confident that once you read it, you, you, know, you yourself will look at it and go, well, this is obviously not an editorial. So um, that being said, um, one of my other listeners had given me up you know, some information about uh, some other COINTELPRO stuff that had come up. Uh, he linked me a website called The American Thinker. Um, and there's some stuff in here about a guy by the name of Cass Sunstein. Now, mind you, I got this information literally about five minutes before I you know, logged on to do this show. But I want to go ahead and include it. Uh, Cass Sunstein, a Harvard law professor who, was, who has been appointed to a shadowy post that will grant him powers that are merely mind-boggling, explicitly supports using the courts to impose a, quote, chilling effect on speech that might hurt someone's feelings. He thinks that the bloggers have been rampaging out of control and that new laws need to be written to corral them. Advanced copies of Sunstein's work, new book, um, On Rumors, How Falsehoods Spread, Why We Believe Them and What Could Be Done, have gone out to the reviewers ahead of its September publication date. But considering the prominence with which Sunstein is about to be endowed, his worrying views are fair game now. Sunstein is President Obama's choice to, lead, uh, to head the White House Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. It's the bland, uh, bland titles that should scare you the most. In on, the, on Rumors, meaning his book, Sunstein reviews how views get cemented in one camp even when people are presented with pervasive evidence to the contrary. He worries that we are headed for a future in which people's beliefs are a product of social networks working as echo chambers in which false rumors spread like wildfire. That future, though, is already here, according to Sunstein. Quote, we hardly need to imagine a world, however, in which people and institutions are being harmed by the rapid spread of damaging falsehoods via the Internet, he writes. We live in that world. What might be done to reduce the harm? So um, Sunstein's book, this is once again according to the, the blog I was linked to, is a blueprint for online censorship as he wants to hold blogs and web hosting services accountable for the remarks uh, of commenters on websites while altering libel laws to make it easier to sue for spreading rumors. Smith notes that bloggers and others would be forced to remove such criticism unless they could be proven. The litigation expense would be daunting. The time necessary to defend a posting or an article would, uh, would work to, benefit, to the benefit of the public figure being criticized, since the delay would probably allow the figure to win an election before the truth won out. The mere threat of retaliatory actions would be enough to dissuade many commenters from daring to issue a word of criticism or skepticism. Often bloggers raise issues to encourage, encourage others, perhaps with more resources, to further investigate issues. Skepticism about candidates often begin on the web or talk radio. These steps so vital to democracy would be chilled should Sunstein's ideas be put into practice. One should not dismiss that... Pro, uh, 
that prospect that this most ideologically driven administration in many years, a Democratic Congress willing to do Barack Obama's bidding, will not serve as a check on Sunstein or Obama. Democrats know that criticism over their conduct often emerges from the web and talk radio since traditional media is so reliably in their corner. Sunstein did not join the administration for a title or to be close to his wife. He joined, as have other ideologues throughout history, to put his ideas into practice. We should note that another step is being taken by Congress that might chill free speech on the Internet. Representative Linda Sanchez from California is behind the Megan Meyer Cyberbullying Prevention Act, an effort to impose um, regulations on the Internet. Eugene Bullock, the brilliant law professor who founded Bullock Conspiracy, one of the leading and most stimulating blogs, noted an overly broad language of the bill and how it could be used as a, um, by a politician to stifle criticism. Here's some quotes. Federal felony to use blogs, the web, etc., to cause substantial emotional distress through severe, repeated, and hostile speech. That's what House of Representatives bill proposed by the uh, Representative Linda T. Sanchez and 14 others would do. Here's the relevant text. Whoever transmits an interstate or foreign commerce any communication with the intent to coerce, intimidate, harass, or cause substantial emotional distress to a person using electronic means to support severe, repeated, and hostile behavior shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than two years or both. Communication means the electronic transmission between or among points specified by the user of information of the user's, of the user's choosing without change in the form or content of the information is sent and received. Electronic means any equipment dependent on electrical power to access an information service, including email, instant messaging, blogs, websites, telephones, and text messages. Whoa. He questions the motives of lawmakers, this is the end of the quote, but he questions the motives of lawmakers supporting such a constitutionally vague bill, which would make just about any criticism made by blogs subject to fines or imprisonment. As we should question the motives not just of them, but of Barack Obama and his close friend, Cass Sunstein. Now, um, on the other side of this, I mean, we have seen that there are some you know, legitimate points as to why we need to be careful about this sort of thing. I mean, I have seen an awful lot of crap come up on the Internet. There are people who do kind of make a career out of making up crap and putting it on the Internet. They'll do it out, you know, to be vindictive or to try to ruin people's reputation. I think the libel laws should be sufficient. The only problem is, is that there needs to be some way in order to, to deal with that on a nationwide scale because of the fact that, you can't really pursue um, you know, a libel case or even a harassment case if somebody lives in another state very easily. However, um, the, the concerns that the person has about it are very true. There really is no reason why somebody working for an, a campaign for a presidential candidate couldn't just sit there all day and look for these blogs, which in many cases is the only reasons I might add why any of us know anything negative about a lot of these candidates who are being propped up by the mainstream media and just start threatening to sue everybody who says anything. Okay, this is more of that kind of stuff that I was talking about earlier with the Homegrown Terrorism Act, the kind of ways that they want to screw around with the Internet. So I think that uh, what they really should be doing is uh, relying on the personal choice of people as far as who they're going to listen to for the, for the most part. If somebody's being intentionally damaging, then they should be able to prove that in a court of law very easily. Um, but when it comes to you know, intentionally damaging because you're bringing up things that are not relevant or intentionally damaging because you're going after somebody's political career for the various things they've done in the past or perhaps some things that you don't like about their platform, then that isn't something that anybody should be touching. So you know, it's, it's, there's so much money involved in all this. I keep coming back to the, the monetary system and the fact that you know, the reason we're so concerned about all of this is because of the fact that, um, well, 
the politicians want to get elected. That's their money. The corporations want the people that they want to be elected. That's their money. Um, and the news organizations don't like that they're losing uh, money due to the blogs because basically now they have competition that is not ruled by Rupert Murdoch and Fox News. So in any case, um, that, those are basically some of the concepts that I wanted to bring to your attention. And if you guys want to give me uh, your support in regards to the situation of the Independent Political Report, I would certainly appreciate it. Just as I said previously, uh, make sure that if you do so, that you're doing so with honest intentions. I, I don't want anybody just to go in there spamming. I don't want anybody making any multiple accounts or anything crazy like that. You know, I just, you know, if you feel that that article was not a editorial, just share your feelings. That's all I'm asking. So um, that being the case, um, now if anybody has anything further, otherwise I could go on a little bit more about Cointel Pro. I'd be happy to bring callers on. The call-in number is 347-945-7747. I can also add you via Skype if you like. My Skype is VTV115, add me, and then PM me to say that you'd like to be on the show, and then I will add you to the call. If not, I'm going to go on and read a little bit more about COINTELPRO for what's the remainder of our show. So... In any case, uh, until I see the switchboard light up or until somebody contacts me on Skype, I'm just going to go ahead and reading. The history of COINTELPRO began in 1956 and was designed to increase factionalism, cause disruption, and win defections inside the Communist Party, USA. However, the program was soon enlarged to include disruption of the Socialist Workers' Party in 1961, the Ku Klux Klan, about time, the Nation of Islam, the Black Panther Party, and the entire new left socio-political movement, which included anti-war community and religious groups. A later investigation by the Senate's Church Committee, see below, stated that COINTELPRO Coin, no, Coin began in 1956 in part because of the frustration with Supreme Court rulings limiting the government's power to proceed overtly against dissident groups. Congress had several court cases later, uh, later concluded that COINTELPRO operations against communist and socialist groups exceeded statutory limits on FBI activity and violated constitutional guarantees of freedom of speech and association. The program was secret until 1971 when an FBI field office in media, uh, um, in media Pennsylvania, was burglarized by a group of left-wing radicals calling themselves the Citizens Commission to Investigate the FBI. Several dossier files were taken and the information passed to news agencies, many of which initially refused to publish the information. Within the year, Director Hoover declared that the centralized COINTELPRO was, was over and that all future counterintelligence operations would be handled on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, right. Further documents were revealed in the course of separate lawsuits filed against the FBI by NBC Court Carl Stern, the Socialist Workers' Party, and a number of other groups. A major investigation was launched in 1976 by a select committee to study governmental operations with respect to intelligence activities in the United States Senate, or of the United States Senate, commonly referred to as the Church Committee for its chairman, Senator Frank Church of Idaho. However, millions of pages of documents remain unreleased, and many released documents have been partly or entirely redacted. In the final report of the select committee, COINTELPRO was castigated in no uncertain terms. 
quote, many of the techniques used would be intolerable in a democratic society, even if all of the targets in, um, had been involved in violent activity. But COINTELPRO went far beyond that. The Bureau conducted a sophisticated vigilante operation aimed squarely at preventing the exercise of First Amendment rights of speech and association on the theory that preventing the growth of dangerous groups and the propagation of dangerous ideas would protect the national security and deter violence. As it's more of that maintaining the status quo. The Church Committee documented a history of FBI directors using, a, using the agency for purposes of political regression, uh, repression as far back as World War I through the 1920s when they were charged with rounding up anarchists and revolutionaries for deportation and then building from, 1930, um, then building from 1936 from, to, through 1976. Range of targets. In an interview with BBC's Andrew Marr, MIT professor of linguistics and political activist Noam Chomsky spoke about the purpose and the targets of COINTELPRO, saying, quote, COINTELPRO was a program of subversion carried out by not a couple of petty crooks, but by the national police, the FBI, under four administrations. By the time it got through, I won't run through the whole story, as it was aimed at, um, at the entire new left, at the women's movement, at the whole black movement, it was extremely broad. Its actions went so far as political assassination. According to the church committee, while the declared purposes of these programs were to protect the national security or prevent violence, bureau witnesses admit that many of the targets were nonviolent and most had no connections with foreign power. Indeed, nonviolent organizations and individuals were targeted because the bureau believed they represented a potential for violence and nonviolent citizens who were against the war in Vietnam were targeted because they gave aid and comfort to violent demonstrators by lending respectability to their cause. Now, real quick, I'm going to pause there and, and, and think for a moment, guys, about this, because if you're going to go out of your way, once again, as I said earlier, to discredit an organization, then you need to do things to make that organization look stupid. So that's exactly what you see with people like Alex Jones. When you, when you look at um, this situation, basically, they're talking about how that was done even to nonviolent groups, and that's why the Zeitgeist movement needs to be careful about this, you know, because somebody like that could basically could end up at one of our rallies, you know, shouting or whatever and causing problems, and then it gets attributed to the Zeitgeist movement. So this is honestly something that I think that all uh, organizations need to come together about, all third-party organizations, and there's a reason why I'm bringing that up too is that after, after the incident IPR and some of my other previous problems with other radio networks, I have committed to the fact that a friend of mine, you may remember him from the Liberty Unleashed radio show that I was on previously that is linked in my archives, um, I got basically, I got with somebody from the, you know, from the extreme right, so to speak, not the extreme right, but the right, uh, Brian Seaman and I are going to partner in a project to try to create an alternative media outlet that's going to include all of the features that the IPR had as far as like a newspaper-style blog, along with a central place where you can find different radio shows that are pertinent to alternative media. Now, what I mean by that is that we're not only are we going to function on third-party news, we're also going to function on some of the candidates that uh, were not generally given mainstream um, attention that should have been, people like Mike Gravel, Dennis Kucinich, Ron Paul. If people want to report on people from those parties, that will be more than, more than welcome. If people want to report on the activities of certain political action groups that don't necessarily fall into any political parties, such as the National Initiative for Democracy, um, some of the organizations that I listed earlier, those people will also be able to report on their activities. I'll be asking for, from, basically asking for press releases from these various organizations, and if anybody would like to volunteer to write for it, please get in contact me, with me. 
I will also have an, a separate editorial section for people who want to do that. The only thing I'm going to ask is that we try to keep this as clean and as professional looking as possible so that we can get some credibility within, you know, the news outlets. You know, we, we all complain about the mainstream media, but we need to offer some alternative, you know, alternatives to that. And that's essentially what this project will be about. So uh, that being said, it doesn't look like anybody's going to call in today, chickens. I, get, I can see I have a lot of listeners, but frequently people don't want to call in. Um, but... Anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and continue reading with us, and I will get back to you guys afterwards. Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, welcome once again to the new listeners that I know I got today. And uh, I hope that you guys have enjoyed the show, and I thank you all supporting for supporting V Radio. Now, to finish with what I was reading according to the church committee. Now, individuals were targeted because the Bureau believed they represented a potential for violence and nonviolent citizens who were against the war in Vietnam were targeted because they gave aid and comfort to violent demonstrators by lending respectability to their cause. The imprecision of the targeting is demonstrated by the inability of the Bureau to define the subjects of the programs. The Black Nationalist Program, according to its supervisor, included, quote, a great number of organizations that you might not today characterize as black nationalists, but which were in fact primarily black, end quote. Thus, the nonviolent Southern Christian Leadership Conference was labeled as a black nationalist hate group. Furthermore, the actual targets were chosen from a far broader group than the titles of the programs would imply. The CPUSA program targeted not only, by the, not only Communist Party members, but also sponsors of the National Committee to abolish the House Un-Amer- of, um, of Un-American Activities Committee, and civil rights leaders allegedly under communist influence are deemed to not sufficiently be anti-communist, to be not sufficiently anti-communist. We're going to get you because you're not quite anti-communist enough. The Socialist Workers' Party uh, program included non-Socialist Worker Party sponsors of anti-war demonstrations, which were co-sponsored by the Socialist Workers' Party or the Young Socialist Alliance, its youth group. The Black Nationalist Program targeted a range of organizations from the, to the SNCC to the Peaceful Southern Christian Leadership Conference and included every black student union that many other black stu- and many other black student groups. New left targets ranged from the STS to the Inter-University Community for Debate on Foreign Policy from Antioch College, Vanguard of the New Left, to the New Mexico Free University and other alternative alternate schools, and from underground newspapers to students protesting university censorship of a student publication by carrying signs with four-letter words on them. (laughs) Now, some examples of surveillance, legal and illegal, contained in the Church Committee report. President Roosevelt asked the FBI to put in the the files the names of citizens sending telegrams to the White House opposing his national defense policy and supporting um, Colonel Charles Lindbergh. President Truman received inside information on a former Roosevelt on a former Roosevelt's aides' efforts to influence his appointments, labor union negotiating plans, and the publishing plans of journalists. The Kennedy administration had the FBI wiretap a congressional staff member, three executive officials, a lobbyist, and a Washington law firm. U.S. Attorney General John, General Robert F. Kennedy received the fruits of an FBI tap on Martin Luther King Jr. and a bug on a congressman, both of which yielded information of a political nature. President Johnson asked the FBI to conduct name checks of his critics and members of the staff of his 1964 opponent, Senator Barry Goldwater. By the way, Goldwater is somebody who's very popular with the libertarian movement. Anyway. He also requested purely political intelligence on his critics in the Senate and received 
extensive intelligence reports on political activity at the 1964 Democratic Convention from the FBI Electronic Surveillance. The COINTELPRO documents disclose numerous cases of the FBI's intentions to stop the mass protest against the Vietnam War. Many techniques, techniques were used to accomplish the assignment. Quote, these included the promoting splits among anti-war forces, encouraging red-baiting of socialists and pushing violent confrontations as an alternative to, man, or alternate to massive peaceful demonstrations, end quote. In other words, they, went, they basically sent in people to try to convince peaceful people that they needed to be violent. I told you, be, be careful of these. If you see this happening in your Zeitgeist chapter, please be careful about it. Now, one 1966 Cointel, uh, Cointel Pro operation attempted to redirect the Socialist Workers' Party from their pledge of support for the anti-war movement. The FBI claims that it no longer undertakes Cointel Pro or Cointel Pro-like operations. However, critics claim that agency programs in the spirit of Cointel Pro will target a group such as the Committee in Solidarity with the People of El Salvador, the American Indian Movement, Earth First, the White Separatist Movement, and the Anti-Globalization Movement. So, methods. According to the attorney Brian Glick in his book, War at Home, the FBI used four main methods during COINTELPRO. Oh, hold on a second. Sorry about that. I thought somebody was calling in, but they're not. So. I'll go back to reading. According to, sorry about that. According to attorney Brian Glick in his book War at Home, the FBI used four main methods during COINTELPRO. One, infiltration. Agents and informers did not merely spy on political activists. Their main purpose was to discredit and disrupt. Their very presence served to undermine trust and scare off potential supporters. The FBI and police exploited this fear to smear genuine activists as agents. Sounds familiar. Two, psychological warfare from the outside. The FBI and police used a myriad of other dirty tricks to undermine progressive movements. They, uh, progressive movements. They planted false media stories and published bogus leaflets and other publications in the name of targeted groups. They forged correspondence, sent anonymous, sent anonymous letters, and made anonymous telephone calls. They spread information about meetings and events, set up pseudo-movement groups run by government agents, and manipulated or strong-armed parents, employers, landlords, school officials, and others to cause trouble for activists. Three, harassment through the legal system. The FBI and police abused the legal system to harass dissidents and make them appear to be criminals. Officers of the law gave perjured testimony and presented fabricated evidence as a pretext for false arrests and wrongful imprisonment. They discriminatorily enforced tax laws and other government regulations and used conspicuous surveillance, investigative interviews, and grand jury subpoenas in an effort to intimidate activists and silence their supporters. Four, extra-legal force and violence. The FBI conspired with local police departments to threaten dissidents to conduct illegal break-ins in order to search dissident homes and to commit vandalism, assaults, beatings, and assassinations. The object was to frighten or eliminate dissidents and disrupt their movements. You can read a lot more about this in the Wikipedia entry, but um, I wanted to say now in my last like minute of the show, uh, thank everybody for tuning in. Um, and uh, once again, you know, if you're interested in helping me out about the IPR thing, feel free to email them. Just please be constructive and professional and honest. Um, and lastly, uh, thanks again. You know, once again, check out vradio.org. Check out the Must See TV section. I've added new videos to it since the last time you've been there. And um, I really appreciate everybody's support. 
and I will talk to all of you later. I will leave you with some words from Jacques Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jacques Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.